This is the A. I'm Reg Clay. And Norman G. This is the A, where we talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. Yay. As always, we are sponsored by Central Works, a new play theater headed up by Gary Graves and Jan's Life. Central Works, reinventing theater one play at a time. Once again, we want to thank Central Works for uh, sponsoring us in our fifth year. Uh, let's see, hold it, 17, 18, 19, 20, no, 21, that's right, no, 22. So this is 2022, yes, it is 2022. So we're beginning <laughs> our sixth year, and uh, it's been wonderful to have Central Works sponsoring us and uh, Mallory Samara, our consulting producer, helping us out. And we have a fantastic guest. Uh, I know her as Golda Sargento. She is known also as Rebel Maria. Uh, Rebel, how are you doing? I'm doing really well. Thank you for having me. Hello, yeah. Edge. Hello, yeah. Norman. I know, I know. It's almost like a family reunion. It's almost like we're in back in Bindlestiff again. Yeah. Um, shall I call, I mean, what What should I call you? What be the proper way? Golda? Yeah, I have a, my full name is uh, Rebel Maria Golda Supernova Malapit Sargento, but you can call me Golda. Right on, Golda, Golda. <laughs> wow, that's a mouthful. <laughs> Well, hey, you've you earned it. You've got to be multidimensional, so yeah, they have to know you in different names in different in your different versions, your different forms. So. Of course, yeah, yes. a dynamic name for a dynamic person. You are an actress. You are a. I consider you a rock star. You know, you are. You have your uh, your rock band, and uh, I know you from Stories High. We, uh, I think, we first met in 2011. That's oh. when uh, Bendelstiff opened up their uh, studio there, the uh, Black Box Theater on I think fifth and mission. And that was a wonderful moment. Uh, of course, losing E was uh, horrible, but other than that, you know, it was a wonderful moment and just, you know, the energy and you were part of that energy. So I think that was the first time that I met you, but in any case, how are you and how are your kids? Uh, thanks for asking. I am decent. Like as, as any citizen can be on earth right now, um, uh, feeling, um, you know, doing my responsible, my responsible things raising my feral wolf cub he's a young wolf of a man now and my polar bear cub she's uh she's 16 and like formidable so i'm very proud obviously um and then otherwise like i have a day job a night job a weekend job and i feel very (laughs) feral wild purposeful really focused so yeah thanks for asking doing well and also, you know, very, very artistically uh, just uh, driven and, you know, you're doing all sorts of very, very cool stuff. It doesn't seem, it doesn't sound like COVID has affected you at all or has it? I mean, well, we've had to just kind of put our ear to the ground and just make our best choice every single time. So we went, you know, internal in our caves real early on, had our existential crisis early, you know, uh, made our deal just moment to moment and um, pivoted to what I like to call theater for the screen, which is, <laughs> you know, film, the film won't claim us, TV won't claim us, but we can just make our own thing called theater for the screen, which you folks have been doing really well as, you know, as we can see on episode 220. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. 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 Thank you so much. I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those things we had to be, we had to, we had to be involved in Zoom, sort of dragging and screaming. I mean, we really enjoyed the live stuff, but uh, of course, we want to be uh, mindful of folks who uh, are, you know, worried about Omicron and all that sort of stuff. And that involves all of the theaters as well. I'm sort of Zoomed out, you know, if it's not a day meeting that I'm having dealing with Zoom or it's Zoom rehearsals, it's, 
it's a Zoom world, whether we like it or not, but it is what it is. Right. And we'll learn more about you. Uh, Norman, as I begin every podcast, how was your week? Did I show you this last time? Yeah, you did. Uh, it track, it's oh, wait, tracking uh, your... Did I, um, did I show you this? Oh, come on. Come on, act right. Uh, it's tracking your heart, your heartbeat. Yes, that is my heartbeat. All right. I'm freaking out about this. I've got another week of this market research thing that I'm doing. Uh, twice a day, I have to take my blood pressure and my pulse. And um, and then every now and then, like today, it asked me to do something extra. So that's been, um, that has been this weird daily ritual. Like literally when I start in the morning, it asked me, have you eaten? Have you washed up? <laughs> You know, have you had any caffeine? Have you had any drugs or alcohol? You know, I'm like, what the hell? This is like, like your digital mother. mom. And then every now and then I hit the wrong thing and it tells me how many steps I've taken. I'm like, I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> but as long as it's all getting recorded where it needs to be recorded, I've got another week of it and then I'm done. They, um, are I they paying you? you? I imagine they're paying you. It's a weird program. So for the 15 days that I'm supposed to do this, um, it's about 500 bucks. I think it's a little bit more, actually maybe more than a little bit more, but, um, and then they ask some people to do extra. So there's a potential of going 30 days. I don't think I want to wear this thing because it's 12 hours a day. I have to wear it 12 hours every day. So do you have to sleep? You, have, you don't have to sleep with it on, right? They do not want you to sleep with it, but I've gotten in the habit. See, now I'm, I'm telling stories now. I got in the habit of waking up in the morning and putting it on and just pulling the cover back up. <laughs> so uh -huh. you know, I, I don't take my blood pressure until I'm ready to get up. But, yeah. Uh, no, the digital world. I mean, I, I've been sort of resistant on it. I mean, of course, I, you know, I love my digital toys, but I try to restrict it. I mean, now, you know, watches. I don't know, reading your health and all that sort of stuff. Uh, I'm, I'm a bit, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it, but you know, it is what it is. It's, it's well, and it's, you know, it's um, incredibly convenient. Mm -hmm. Like I do occasionally forget that I've got it on. And occasionally, like if I'm teaching or something, I'll, all you have to do is turn your arm up and there it is. Like, oh, okay. That's what time it is. Oh, <laughs> Golda, are you a, are you a slave of the digital world? I mean, um, do you? No, I'm like, give me your old phone. Anybody have a laptop with this charger? Like, I'm completely like right. second hand, hand, hand on the other hand, um, Steve. Like, I love it. I do have a concern with my current phone, which is like, it's it's going a it, it's it's gone like analog AI on me. So I gotta I gotta switch it up a little bit. But no, I. I, I'm really into like stories, so I watch a lot of stuff. Um, I read news online. Um, you know, I like being able to search for things on YouTube, and you know, it's it's kind of ridiculous how you can really look for anything and it's there. So in that sense, like, I do like the access. But as far as like actual devices, I, I don't indulge. I, I haven't been able to indulge. Let's say. Yeah, and, and I don't even see, I don't even, you know, there, 
just because Apple wants you to buy the latest thing, and well, I, I do buy, <laughs> I have, you know, the laptop that I use right now uh-huh. is the M1 Mac, only because my other one, the battery is just going crazy. But you really don't need the latest stuff. I mean, if you're just surfing the web and you're just typing things, you really don't need the greatest right. processor. So, you know, I, we don't have to be the slaves of, of every single thing. So, so that's cool. That's cool to be uh, old school. But to be fair, like the things that you're doing with uh, editing and, you know, like just the amount of like, you know, storage space you need to put on the show. Like that's, that's, that's the point that we're making with theater for screen. Like when I had to start editing my stuff, um, going, you know, (laughs) and then going from like, oh yeah, let's take a bunch of footage, like 50 minutes. And then you only use like, two minutes of it like you know we stopped doing that of course but but the the you know the cutting programs the editing programs storage how you're going to upload it like that becomes sort of an issue when you you take on these these bigger projects right right yeah exactly and that's when you need you know the uh the bigger computers or whatever or all these programs like photoshop and Mm -hmm. um like in music, I'm sure, because I'm, I'm sure you're still involved in music, so I'm sure you know about the DAWs like Ableton Live or Cubase or Pro Tools and things like that. Mm-hmm. That's when you know just how much of a computer that you need. But I mean, I still remember the old days of the typewriter. As a matter of fact, when we did uh, uh, the Richard Wright thing uh, before right. the dream, Norman, one of the props that I loved playing with was that old typewriter. I, me too. Mm. I loved having that. I've still got it up in my attic. Yeah, we may be the last generation to remember learning how to type on a typewriter. Mm, like not an electric one, like a full-on just key press black, one. Black, mechanical, yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. Although I st- I, even I do remember the IBM Selectrix. My mom used to uh, use that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, let's get into some uh, current events. Well, I guess the biggest current event is uh, Stephen Breyer, the uh, Supreme Court Justice. He uh, will retire in June. It sounds like it's a timed retirement. He wanted to, I guess, wait until... Biden came into office or a Democrat comes into office to sort of um, make sure that there will be a, um, a Democrat um, uh, a Democrat to bring in a liberal Supreme Court justice. So um, there have well, been some been criticisms for the, you know, for almost the whole year. They've been pushing him to do it. Yeah, I forgot who I was talking to. I don't know if it was you, Norman, but there's been controversy about why would uh, B- Biden announce that he will have a African-American female uh, justice as if it were you know uh, affirmative action that sort of stuff i mean i don't see a a problem with it at all and why not um you know we need to have some equality uh, in the supreme court Mm -hmm. golda here i'll ask you a question i mean uh, a couple actually i guess it was last late last year there were these conservative states that were basically um you know in texas you know if a young girl let's say, needed an abortion, she would have to go out to another state or whatever. So it's really horrible that a woman can only really be free depending upon what state she's in. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you feel less free or do you were you triggered, I guess, by, you know, what's happening with the Supreme Court at all? Or do you just, you know, just go go with the flow with what? I mean, you know, there's the symptoms of the larger, you know, um, kind of system in place, right? Like the whole control over a female's body that just goes right back into female as property, which, uh, you know, back when females couldn't own property and were the property of men, like this goes back to like some like colonial times and established societies back then. And they want to kind of 
couch it in the the laws and the language of the the day but it really stems back from that old system and until we sort of see that root they're gonna pass this law or not pass this law or kind of make these choices but that fundamental idea that it is important to control women um as like a power move for the for the white cis male um you know hierarchy patriarchy like they're gonna pull all kinds of stunts no matter what law it looks like so abortion this or that or it is it is triggering but it's it's just a flex so the more we're able to call it out and see it what it is and really just find its historical roots it's it's you know kind of demystify like where it is they're coming from like yeah mm-hmm. yeah i mean oh. even you know the father handing off the uh, the child to you know giving the hand of the daughter to the groom as if it were property like yes you know you can have this property you know those those wedding traditions you're absolutely right you know it's it's sort of a uh, it's it can be um misogynistic that's the word that i was looking for mm-hmm. so it's it's an unfortunate thing and i'm hoping that um you know with with a more balanced supreme court although it's still very very conservative you know i think we're going to need at least something to happen to one of the other conservatives and i don't know if that's going to happen anytime soon speaking of which evan rachel wood so this gets into um marilyn manson uh this came in the news that uh, evan rachel wood did an interview she uh if you're involved in if you ever watch um what is it westworld uh she's the lead actress of westworld and she talks about how when she was the girlfriend of marilyn manson uh there was a music video where it was supposed to be uh a a sex scene and she talks about um, him actually penetrating her and oh just how, how horrible that was. I mean, and it was an actual video. And I guess, you oh. know, she didn't say anything about it. And now she's talking about it. Just basically what women go through. I mean, that's really the extreme. Mm-hmm. Um, one hopes. Huh? I said one hopes. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. So that's, that's what happened in the news. Um, RFK Jr., anti-vax rally. I mean, you know, these anti-vaxxers, I mean, uh, so the anti-vaxxer happened last Sunday. And, you know, when I think about Robert F. Kennedy Jr., he's so far away from his father, Robert F. Kennedy Sr., who really helped strengthen the, uh, the civil rights movement. Um, you know, you've got that going on. A funny thing, a 22-month-old toddler in Jersey spent $1,800 using her mother's phone and the mother didn't know anything about it. I guess she just grabbed the mother gave this toddler the phone to play with. And um, the toddler, I guess this, you can buy things on your phone and all of a sudden all these packages start coming in and nobody knows what's going on. Um, Goldie, you cut in and out. You, you still there? Yeah. Yeah. So that, so that was a funny thing that happened in the news. So that's, I think those are the uh, main things that are happening out there. I didn't want it to, you know, get too deep into current events. Well, I did uh, want to check in about the other thing happening right now is just like Golda, I'm watching a student head back off to college and like, oh. like that's actually happening as we speak. Right. right. Tomorrow they, they go um, back. Got him a room yesterday and they're taking stuff today. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, that that'll be nice. I feel so bad about the kids. I mean, you know, with COVID nineteen, of course, you know, working shelter in place, working from home, actually, I'm saving a lot of money, uh, so it's actually been a benefit for me. However, for kids who just want to, you know, see their their classmates again, or who want to go to the prom, or who just want to hang out, I mean, I remember all sorts of things that I did when I was seventeen, eighteen. Um, 
kids are they really just can't do that anymore. How are your kids holding up to COVID-19 and how are they dealing just psychologically with having to um, wear the mask all the time and maybe not being able to communicate face to face with their friends? Yeah, I'd hope they'd be used to it by now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, um, so mine's are in, uh, one's in high school and one's uh, second year on a college campus, first year on the campus, because last year was all remote for both my high school and my first year college. So second year is on campus and um, it's still remote a little bit. They're going back in person tomorrow, but the vibe on the campus is like, there's going to be a lot of personal responsibility, you know, self-reporting, you know, um, there's nothing necessarily like, and, and everyone just kind of setting a good example. Uh, and then like for mine, a high schooler, um, yeah, it's just like in-person masks, uh, tests, um, you know, reported cases every day. It's, it's, everything is obviously unprecedented, you know, but as far as like missing out on stuff, it's like, man, you, you can hold the pot with, you know, from the handle or on the bottom, you know what I mean? Like if you hold it from the bottom, yeah, you're going to get burned. If you'd be like, yeah, I missed out on this. I missed out on this. But right. if, you, if you hold it in a certain way, you, you get to kind of look at it where it's like, well, we had this unprecedented, you know, thing happen and we had an opportunity to deal with it responsibly. And that's kind of where, just as a protocol, we just try to look at things. So as far as being disappointed, it's like, you know, you know, the whole world's going through it, you know, some better than most. So, yeah, you know, well, it sounds like, yeah. yeah, now it sounds like your kids are level headed and they're, they're handling it well. So that's good. And also, you know, with, with these games, I mean, you know, people are uh, streaming, you know, the kids are streaming and having conversations online. So maybe they're not missing out as much as uh, we would have if, you know, something like that, a pandemic would happen during our time when we were kids. So, um, you know, maybe... but it's crazy because going back, there's still trauma, you know, there's still like, you know what I mean? Like being online, like that was really hard, you know, I think for my, for my high schooler too, but then being in person, it's like, there is a whole nother other thing that's activated as far as like challenges, you know, like you're scared. There's still, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, there's, I heard that there's even another Omicron variant rolling around. Of course, uh, the CDC says that if you're vaccinated and you've had your booster shot and they're now debating, maybe you'll need another booster shot, uh, that everything will be okay. Um, you just don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm constantly reading the news to find out, okay, do I need to be scared? Do I need to not worry? And you know, what's going on? I'm very glad to be in California because um, it sounds like we're doing things a lot better here. All righty. Well, let's get into an origin story. Uh, Rebel Maria Golda Sargento. Uh, tell us an origin story. Where were you born and raised? Uh, so the Sargentos, actually it's Sargento, like um, Sargento. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, the Sargentos are from Makati, Philippines and Manila and the the Malapits are from Ilocos Norte in uh, the Philippines. So my mom is from the South and my dad's from the middle and they met in Manila. And then uh. we went to Alaska. That's actually where um, my Alaska, my, uh, my hyphen comes in, my, my American um, Alaska Anchorage specifically. So wow. we went from the tropics to there and 
I had Boy, kind that's of a hell of a culture shock. Go ahead. Yeah, it's temperature fully, like I'm three. So I don't know anything about passports or nothing. I just know it was hot where I was from. Now it's cold. So right. I think that's as like, you know, po- you know, polarized as you can get. But that's where I, that's where I spent my formidable years in, in Anchorage. In Alaska, wow. Um, I, I think you have siblings, right? Brothers and sisters? Uh, two brothers, yeah. Okay. Are you the middle? Oldest, I'm the middle. Youngest? How did you know? Was oh, it- I just guessed. I just guessed. Are they involved in the arts as well? Um, you know, they're, it's when you're from, I like to think that like when you're from an immigrant family like us, like everyone has to be creative a little bit, you know? Um, and in Alaska, it kind of affords that just in the living, you know, like how are you going to go, like when you go fishing, um, what's your, you know, like you get to be creative in different ways because every there's these these different things, but not necessarily in the arts. Like there's some, um, there's some community members, like social justice um, people, family members. Uh, my mom particularly, she's known for her um, community building um, organizations. And, and my father, actually, my father was a singer. My father was the crooner. I call him the um, the boxing crooner because he was a he was a, a, a boxer, but he was also like a like a, he serenaded my mom. That's how he wooed her. Wow, very, oh, that, that is old. just awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, that's cool. Yeah, and my my dad's a singer as well, so that's something I now I can see where you get the uh, the singing from. So, how long did you um how long when did you leave Alaska and come into the Bay? Um, like, you know, I kind of started traveling south. So Alaska, just kind of a time machine. You know, it's not, it's not the now or not the future. If you're going to be an artist, you kind of have to hit the lower 48, which is what we call the continental US. So right. I went to school in, in Washington State, and then Oregon, and then I landed in California, where some of my relatives were like, late 90s. The late 90s? Yeah. yeah. Now, were you involved in uh, theater or music in Alaska? I don't know if there's any uh, arts or uh, uh, like, um, I don't know if there's a theater community there. Um, Well, what's kind of funny or not, um, or mysterious, I don't know, depending on your your genre taste, uh, but it was like very, I want to say isolating, which might be an understatement, but it was sort of isolating being um, an unpronounced artist in Alaska. Like, all my singing was radio or what we call minus one, which was a singing program before karaoke. Look it up. It's called minus one. Right. It was with cassette tapes. Like it was genius. Um, and radio, which was like, like genre full. Like there was no genres. It was just things around the radio. And it was like rock and roll and R and B and soul and classics. And it was all on one radio station. Um, and then I had, you know, exposure to literature, which is kind of like my my educational focal point, um, and and creative writing in that way. So it's kind of like all my art was like I didn't go to art school, I didn't have a class in singing. Like there was, it wasn't, it wasn't like people grow you to be an artist like they do nowadays. You know what I mean? Like it was just like, I list, I found records and listened to things because I watched the movie and I liked that song and I would find out which band did that song. And that's how I got into finding out about so many different like 
um, punk rock bands up in Alaska and like, you know, um, hip hop stuff before it was out because I just, you have to hunt. I know that sounds so funny, but even in Alaska, even with art, if you like it, you have to hunt for it. You have to like be purposeful. There's no clubs, there's no shows, there's no concerts. Wow, I just couldn't imagine that. Yeah, it's funny. I remember Norman and I, we talked, I forget what episode we talked about this, but I talked about how um, how uh, when I was listening to radio, how, how what am I trying to say? Um, how segregated radio could be or radio was in the 70s where uh, I didn't listen to punk rock. I didn't even know anything about punk rock until oh. I went to New York because oh. when I was in D.C., it was W-H-U-R, it was soul, and right. that was it. <laughs> And I think uh, you've uh, went through the same thing, but it sounds like Golda, when you were listening to radio in Alaska, you got a, a bit of everything because everything was on one channel or one radio yeah, station. There was, you know, there was still, it was, you know, kind of like the police, you know, the police was on with like, you New know, wave. Um, yeah, there, a re there wasn't like a huge, there was also like a kind of a, a cult cutting, um, like a underground culture, you know, like, um, underground radio even like uh, -huh. uh it's just because you have to make it you have to make it by yourself like you have to make it on your own like no one's really focusing on that yeah you know? well when you mentioned uh washington being in washington i imagine that would be in the 90s is that about right mm -hmm. yeah yeah i mean grunge i mean that was the hotbed of grunge where kurt cobain and uh you have um oh shucks i forget the pearl jam you know uh those those folks i mean were you was that sort of, did you get caught up in the uh, the yeah. grunge thing? It was cool because um, Seattle sort of like, even before the grunge, it was like the big city in Alaska. Like the cool, some of the, you know, rich people, if they wanted to like flex, they would fly to Seattle for like to shop for the prom dress. Like Seattle was like our metropolis. Like if you're from Alaska, it's like um, cosmopolitan, you know? Um, but just even relatably, like we were wearing the flannels because it's cold in Alaska too. And like the boots, because it's, you know, that's the kind of stuff you wear up there. And so I, I was really relating to it. And the fact that it's kind of like punk music, but kind of blended with kind of a heavy metal vibe. That's sort of what it was like in Alaska too. Like, yeah. Yeah, so, no, no, that, that is really, really cool. Um, so when did theater, I'm, I'm going to imagine that theater really didn't come into your uh, periphery until you came to the Bay, but I may be wrong. I mean, when did theater um, reach you? I mean, I'm kind of like, man, I'm coming back to my people with like this, you know, theater because I study literature. So I, I read Shakespeare and Chaucer and like, I went through that, you know, like I, I was kind of indoctrinated into that kind of like format for theater. And when I did come to the Bay, that's when I found all kinds of counterculture as far as theater is concerned. I was exposed to some really cool counterculture literature, which was eye-opening, like the Big IE and some of like Jessica Hagedorn's um, books. And so I did know that there was like that, but theater to me was never accessible in a, um, until I came to the Bay. Oh. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Norman and I, we, we've been talking about 
what you know because we encounter theater companies and they have their version of what theater is this is proper theater you know shakespeare like working with susan evans who i who was the artistic director for eastenders repertory company and town hall theater you know she came from an academic background so when she was the artistic director she focused on like carol churchill or pinter or you know uh, what what you can consider uh, classic theater, where you really have to be learned to be her type of actor, or else you know she just wouldn't cast you, or she would put you in something else. And I can understand where she was going through with that. And there are a lot of artistic directors who go through that, but it does push people away. I mean, Norman, have you encountered? I mean, you've been involved in both the I guess high art of theater, but also sort of the um, the ground level for the people type of theater as well well i mean it, hopefully it's all for the people but how do you make it where do you make it yeah i mean I, yeah and how do you make it accessible to everybody we did a show in a in a dumpster under the freeway in san francisco once i i would imagine that's technically accessible but it was pretty weird <laughs> yeah that was that was oakland public theater no that was before oakland public theater no i was working with another group oh god what are they called theater forte uh, it was a group of folks that i'd gone to college with at san francisco state and their first big project out of the box was the show that they decided needed to be real wow <laughs> so we were it was set in the future but we were doing it under the freeway it was very dark and weird and fun it was a lot of fun mm-hmm. yeah i was pleasantly surprised to see that we got an audience <laughs> That's awesome. Was your first time on stage, Golda? Was, would it be Bendelstiff or uh, were you on stage earlier than that? I mean, I guess I'd have to say, aside from some spoken word and some like bad music debut with no music. Um, yes. Yeah, it was. It, yeah, you know, you got to have some bad ones to know what that you want a good one. Um, right. Yeah, Bindlestiff was it. Like, I think I came in with a group called Overseas Artists, or OA for short, which is a pun on overacting, which is a a Filipino term for doing too damn much. Um, So OA was this edutainment collective with, uh, from Oakland. Um, Mm -hmm. And we we ended up doing a, um, like a show at Bindlestiff. They invited us because we met at the cell space in San Francisco. So Tongue in a Mood, which uh, was the primary uh, theater group that transformed Bindlestiff into a Filipino-American. Right. No, I uh, remember those folks. Right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Cool. Um, Alan and Joyce and them. Um, yeah. Ramon and Kevin and Patty. Uh, so Patty. 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 Cachapero. The genius, right? She's such yeah, a she, is. she was amazing. Amazing performer as well, right? Yeah. Yes. Writer, performer, absolutely. So, Tongue in a Mood consisted of, um, you know, a group of friends and and performers, but the the writing was Patty Ketchapero, Kevin Kamia, and and Alan Manalo. Um, Ramon Abad did some crazy shadow and also his like, um, physical comedy, uh, reminiscent of Charlie Cha- uh, Chaplin was was really cool too. So they. Then the musical element. See, that's what kind of set fire to Tongue the Mood was the fact that they had this live band that was doing all this musical um, in-person stuff. So they saw our stuff, um, overseas artists. I joined them. They were already together, but I I ended up uh, joining them. Then we did this show at the theater at Bindlestiff. 
and then you know just I I, I kind of never left like I did eighth wonder there mm-hmm. was a spoken word artist and then I just kept even though I'm not an actor I just kept getting cast in plays like and, well you, know, you may not be an actress but I mean you do I'll consider you if if you were to consider yourself an actress a character actress I mean you know I I remember you doing a um we did a Benson had did a Zoom reading, I think it was uh, late last year, where you took on a bunch of characters. I'm forgetting what play it was uh, in. Do you remember that, Golda? Uh, I mean, I did a bunch of different plays for one series. I think if you caught Conrad's, which I played um, the Wicked Witch of the West. I think that's what it was, yeah. She was my favorite. I actually was like, who would have thought? I love a villain. Uh. I love playing the villain. So I guess you're right. I, so someone who's not educated in theater like me, who came at it from a literary point of view and then just kind of got thrown into some great situations, really good people in a space that was accessible, right? Um, I didn't, I don't have language for, you know, for for, for that. So I, I didn't know that I might be characterized as a character actor so that's really good to know uh-huh yeah and obviously you know the folks at Bendless have saw something in you and they were like hey you know that's the energy that we need I mean I recognized it immediately I mean everyone at Bendlestiff at that time had just wonderful energy and you did as well and your kids and I you know the memory that I have of you are your kids you know swarming around you um right. I mean if I were a, you know, a child I mean my parents I mean I swore I remember swarming around my dad when he had his band in the 70s you know this is the time where you had the OJs and the Delphonics and the Dells, and my dad was a part of that group, uh, at least in the D.C. area, and I enjoyed going down in the basement, just watching them gig and then talk afterwards, talk the crap, and then, you know, just the just that dynamic. And your kids, I mean, they just swarmed around you when they were young kids yeah. because they fed off of your energy, and I was like, wow, that, how cool would it be to have a cool parent who was also involved in theater. So that's the lasting memory that I have. And I, I really do think that the arts, whether it be theater or music, can bind family together. Do you find that, that, oh, you, right. that, that it binds you and your kids together? I think the biggest thing is them just seeing me do it, like me make it and do it and be it and take it serious. Like, like it, it's important. You know, like if the world isn't going to tell you that art is important, you know, like my generation no one is encouraged to be an artist. Uh, I'm sorry. Like, that's not an option. Like, I'm so sorry. You you could draw and sing and paint as much as you want, but that's not what you're doing for a living, honey. Like, forget that, you know? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. But I feel like for them, just the idea of whether it be art or anything, take it serious. Make it your job. Like, even if no one's paying you, even if you just made this job up yourself, because it is just what you want to do. And it's just validating the fact that something that you create is enough for you to do it for your life, you know? And then just seeing, you know, I would have to talk about like, there's rehearsals involved. So like, I got my littles and she's just like, I know you have to practice, but I can't stop crying. And then I got to be like, maybe I get that. Like you love your mama. I'm so thankful you love your mama. I love you too. How lucky we are to like, like, you know, love and miss each other this much. But you know what else I love? I love getting off the stage feeling like I did a really good job. Cause sometimes I've gotten off the stage and I haven't felt good at all. 
And then I was like, dang, all of that was a waste of time. I wasted those people's time. I wasted my my bandmates' time. And I disappointed myself. I don't want to feel like that. So in order for me to feel good, man, I got to do good. In order for me to do good, I got to go to practice, girl. <laughs> you got to let mama go. And so by that lead, like, they see the investment that you put into it, you know, they understand where all your energy is going and they get that you're doing something and they get that you're taking it serious enough. And then when you get off stage, even if they don't understand it, like they've watched me in plays, they don't get, they watched me do different kinds of music. They don't understand, but they know when mama gets off and the stage and is proud of herself or feels like, you know, her effort was worthwhile or that, you know, it was worth the time. You know, they know what that looks like. So, yeah, we had a uh, Priya Gayadeen on who is now uh, doing um, stand up comedy now. Uh, it's, it's fascinating seeing her transition because when we first met her, Priya, she was uh, purely an actress and, you know, she had did we didn't more know professional. <laughs> yeah, professional stuff. And now, you know, she's found her footing. But she talked about motherhood. She talked about having a young son. And we actually had her during the rehearsals, have her son come to the rehearsals. Uh, to help her out with, you know, um, she didn't have anyone to take care of the child. Yeah. And, and she talked about how it was important to see her son, have her son see her, not just as mommy, mm-hmm. but also as a complete human being who can do different things oh, yeah. uh, as, as a complete adult. And, mm-hmm. um, and it was important for her to not just be a lot of individuals. And we've had some individuals come on, say, you know, after motherhood, I sort of had to curtail a lot of things just because I've got this new role as a mom, which is sort of a sad thing. I mean, obviously motherhood is very important, but you're still an independent woman. I mean, you're still an independent person who has all sorts of things that you want to, um, to get out of your system via art. Mm-hmm. So th- that's very important, isn't it, Golda? It is like, well, economically speaking, I couldn't do two things. I couldn't be like this kind of person and then this kind of person. Like it only, I only had the heart to be one kind of person. So I was just going to have to make sure I hit all the notes. Like if I'm going to be an artist, of course, I'm going to be a good mom. I'm going to be able to like some, th- those aren't like mutually exclusive. They don't mean like you can't be that or the other, you know, as far as like, yeah, but yeah, you're going to have to be willing to have your swarming brood, like climb up you, like asking for chips while you are writing out your set list and trying to find your bass player you know what i mean yeah. like that's kind of that's kind of the deal yeah you're oh, absolutely right oh and... you wanted silence <laughs> yeah. like oh you wanted like non-chaos like oh yeah that's not an option anymore like you either you know you either throwing this whole thing on 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 the boat or it's leaving without you so that's what's so cool about having the, the kids like be a part of that world is um you don't I, you know um compartmentalizing can be convenient but it's not realistic and um being able to be a little uncomfortable often is worth being able to be yourself the whole time like and the deal was like I was basically you know I was outnumbered like I'm a single I was I'm a single mom raising my two kids right and at one point they were smaller than me I'm still outnumbered but they're little right but my odds are going to change. You know what well, I mean? I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure they've gotten. Uh, is the <laughs> oldest one bigger, bigger, taller than yeah. you? <laughs> I'm going to be outgunned. Like I got to do this right now, or you know. So the math is going to fall in my favor. So. Well, yeah. they'll always they'll always respect you. <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, as I far totally as art goes, 
like they are artistic, but man, I had to hold myself back. Oh, excuse my neighborhood. It's okay. It's um, all good. Not not too hard because I I kind of had a stage mom in in some ways, you know, um, uh, uh, and I really didn't want that for my kids, you know. I didn't want I didn't yeah. want my kids. Well, to I, have I never got a sense that you were pushing them on stage. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you if they want to do it, then they can do it, right? Yeah, they're very creative, and it's exciting when they do create because I just love. It's going to keep them company their whole life, you know. So, um, but it, honestly, I think you have to be creative in order to figure out how to get to work when your bus is late or right. yeah like you have to you have to make things anew like you can't it's not just restricted to the arts right like yeah yeah you're right i want to share one quick story about you uh gold just a, a a memory that i have of you i remember we were hanging out at bendelstiff um i don't know if it was stories high 12 or 14 i think you were involved in were you involved in stories high 14 I think I produced that one with Orion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think you did. And we were outside, and if anyone knows, you know, Fifth and Mission, you got all sorts of folks. You got the homeless, you got some folks who are dealing with drugs and all sorts of things. And I think you had a conversation, just an, uh, just a spontaneous conversation with a homeless person who was just walking by. And I think you were just checking in to see if they were okay. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, that it takes a special type of a person to sort of have a heart for for everyone. I mean, it just told me a lot about your character. I mean, you are a very, very warm individual. I, I, that It just stuck in my mind. I don't even know if you remember that that interaction. That must have been Juliet. I mean, I know who you're talking about. Like, there's only, you know, I don't know if I would describe myself as being warm, <laughs> but if I was sweet on you, I would for sure check up on you. And there was one person I was particularly sweet on as far as like the the locals in the neighborhood of Sixth and you know Sixth and Howard where Bindlestiff was. Her name was Juliet, and she she was often she was often around and often unwell. So I was kind of looking out for her whenever I saw her. And, and you can't help but be a part of the space, the area when you're there so much. It's like, you can ignore it, but those parking tickets will remind you. (laughs) Right. Or the occasional broken windows. There've been a couple of times Bendels have had to repair the windows, but I mean, Middlesex is a integral part of that neighborhood. It's actually one of the reasons why the neighborhood is building. It's changing. Um, sometimes you need those uh, institutions, whether it be the upscale store or, or theater company. I really do think a theater company uplifts a community. I mean, you've seen that, Normal. Is that you sneezing, Norman? That is me. Excuse me. It's okay. But I mean, you can, you can, uh, I mean, oh, he's, he's on. So I was going to ask you, Norman, you've seen companies come in and they've uplifted a community, communities like, like we've seen it with the Noodle Factory when uh, we brought in uh, Before the Dream. I'm sure that sort of uplifted that neighborhood at least for a little I'm bit the new factories in one of those anymore. eras now it was neat watching Bendelstiff go from the little that little dark studio on an alley that they were in mm-hmm. to that beautiful space oh, thank you. and right now we're hearing you know theaters that are trying to come back yeah. um some of them seem to be able to make it happen we'll we'll see who survives it's it's always interesting if you're in long enough you get you get that pleasant or unpleasant surprise I mean- you're, you're so right like bindle stiff coming up and and yet like it still has a, the diy element to it you know yeah. we, we have a board of directors now and we are beholden to a bigger entity yeah. but 
um, the the community is still very much like, oh, you know, like we didn't get that grant. Oh, you know, like right. we've been kind of like under the radar is the kind word, um, is a kind way of putting it. But, you know, uh, unapologetic um, is also another word, you know, like we, we kind of get to do what we want as, re- as a result of being so far under the radar. Yeah. So being underfunded, for example, or not having like, you know, that regular support is, hasn't necessarily affected. Um, no, business has been going on, I think. Hasn't it been, um, is it 20 or 30 years? 30 years. They celebrated 30 years, I think, a couple of years ago, 2000. Yeah, yeah, yeah there was a gala, and uh, the gala was sold out, I think, after, you know, even with $100 tickets. And, uh, you know, that's just a testament oh. to how important bindle stiff is we've had so many uh, ex bindle stiffers on our program talk about the wonders of bindle stiff and how great we've had alan kismorio on we've had um percy we've had uh, michael dorado just goes on and on and uh, it's and they have all talked about how for a lot of them it's it's changed their lives so you know bindle stiff has been has meant so much to the theater community and also to the community right there so that's cool. Let's talk about uh, what you're doing with Shotgun. How did you get involved with my hate letter to the Great American Theater? Oh, well, I feel like, for example, when you have, no, I, I honestly, I'm so honored that Shotgun like uh, brought this opportunity to me. Um, as far as how I got involved, it's still somewhat of a mystery. Oh, we haven't done anything in person yet, so I haven't been able to like find out. But I'm sure it has something to do with um, my very public, uh, like, um, if I may say, like a F-U-esque uh, to, <laughs> to uh, just the path that I've taken, I think. Um, Shotgun, I've, I really wanted to work with them at some point. And um, so far, I, I, I even admire the way they've been dealing with uh, reintroducing theater in covid you know their their covid policies are really on point their um their uh, transparency as far as who you're working with is really on point and it's just been an honor so far so i don't want to say anything like spoily but um my hate letter diana owes my hate letter to the great american theater is basically like getting 86 from like the fanciest bougiest you know club in the in town uh-huh. So, yeah, I think I got involved kind of by being a bit of a rascal. <laughs> probably. Did they reach out to you? So they reached out to you. I mean, whoever's uh, doing the I'm not sure who's producing it. I don't know if uh, if shotgun themselves are producing it or if someone rented out the shotgun space or they're using the name. No, it's shotgun, isn't it? I thought it was shotgun. Yeah, I, yes, it is shotgun. Um, yeah, it, it's shotgun. Patrick, some board. Oh, yay. The, I've got the link um, here. I'll just click on Mailing and Erica Oba. It's part of their Champagne Reading Reader series. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm okay, reading it. The Champagne here. Stage Reading series. Yeah, we give our funny. actors just enough staging and tech and then let adrenaline do the rest. <laughs> so that goes right in line with the six rehearsals. Uh, so, you know, rehearsals start um, February 5th and the show launches February 17th through the 20th. So, just a touch, just a wee touch of what they call it, tech and what? I didn't even read that. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's what they have on their uh, the website. And of course, my hate 
uh, my hate letter to the great American theater, a brutally candid, painful, and bitingly funny play about transparency, honesty, and repairing centuries of damage done in the American theater industries. Oh, Diana O's play embraces the power of naming and celebrating truth on a journey towards building a balanced relationship that is no longer oppressive, silencing, or damaging. So that's a mouthful. So it sounds like there's you... definitely a message uh, to be told about, and it's something that we talked about earlier right here, about what is the theater that is um, palatable or that reaches the community and what is theater that's, you know, sort of on, on, you know, that's on the higher upper, upper echelon? Yeah, I, um, I think we're, you know, reintroducing theater on, in an environment that has been um, asking a lot of questions of theater. So I think Shotgun's move to produce Diana O's play is, is and, you know, included, you know, including their they're kind of like this full gauge of support for the for the artist in COVID, like I mentioned before, is kind of like an um it was like a grand statement, I think, in these times for theater. Like you could do something old or you could do something kind of like um really determined to be heard in a new way, kind of thing, which is what I think my hate letter is. I didn't mean to be vague about how I got involved. I honestly don't know. If they sent me an offer letter, I was very honored. Um, no, that, hey, that's awesome. I mean, obviously, you know, your your reputation has gone such that people are reaching out to you, which is a wonderful thing. I get the sense, you know, just the fact that, I mean, when we, when I think of um, Shotgun, I think of Jet Presario. Jet Presario, uh, he came on the Yay a couple of years ago. He was in, I think the play was called White, um, if yes. you remember, Norman. Yep, uh, shot, Yeah, Shotgun produced it, and Jet talked about how the play dealt with racial lines and relationships. I think Jed played a part of an individual who was in a relationship with a white individual, but also there was another character who was a black woman and it dealt with, you know, just how we deal with race relations. But it was very clear that, that um, Shotgun wanted to not do traditional theater, but they wanted to get into theater that actually talked about what was happening in the world, mm. but also something that would reach out to artists. If there's one thing that's happening with COVID-19, putting a pause on you know, performances that have had to cancel, it's given a, a, a platform for artists to say, hey, listen, while we're paused, I want to introduce plays that speak to me. I want to, it's something that uh, Eli Sonny Orkiza you know, in his living document, he's like, I don't want to just be cast and be playing the role of the butler or the ingenue or whatever. I want to speak to, you know, something that speaks to me as an artist. And I think this is all part of what I would think a revolution in, in theater, at least in Bay Area theater now. I mean, that's at least what I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, is that what you guys are seeing? Uh, that's, I think that's where this nucleus of new of a new type theater is coming from. Yeah. I mean, I feel like addressing it is the best way to deal with um, all the other things that we can't necessarily like, you know, fix in in a few in in, a, in the first season, right? Like, like right. I just even feel like you know, even the, even this, the, the the theater shutting down or waiting to reopen because they're addressing internalized things. I think I think all those things, I mean, are okay to take time. I I feel like more of the criticism that I agree with is when people try to open too soon or try to like ignore, you know, open too soon, meaning like they didn't do the work yet and 
they, you know, they're ignoring kind of what that conversation that happened with um, documents yeah. realized, you know. Right, exactly, because they want to, you know, I'm sure there are a lot of um, artistic directors, you know, who run companies are like, hey, who are you to tell us what theater we're going to do? We're going to do our, you know, this is our lane. Right. And no one's going to change us. We've been doing this for the last 20, 30, or, you know, God knows how many years. No one's going to tell us, you know, what we're, what we're going to do. So, so, so you have that. Um, I want to, I want to sort of bring Norman in. You've been sort of silent, Norman, but I'm sure you've seen this in, in the years that you've been uh, involved. Huh? I'm sorry. I've been having, so you asked about, you know, at the beginning, you always asked what's new with you. Y'all know what that is? That's a yeah, neti pot. A neti pot. Oh, for your nose, right? Oh my God, I've been sneezing for days and just bleh. so Congested. yeah, I'm sitting here just trying to contain. So no, I'm no, sorry. no, 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 no. I, I totally understand. Thank you for yeah, you know, because <laughs> you know we sometimes put, do the show whether we're you know well or sick or whatever. Right. I was just going to ask you, Norman, if you can. I mean, you've been here in the Bay Area for twenty five, thirty, maybe uh, even longer. All this dirt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I'm sure you've seen companies that are like, hey, listen, this is our program. This is our season. And we're going to give the people what they want, regardless if it's what the artist wants. I mean, have you seen uh, have you seen a transition between, I guess, what we would call traditional theater and a, a newer type of theater? I, I would say it's trends, because for every new type of theater that's happening, um, there's somebody who goes back to the old standards and gives them new life and to touch on something Golda was talking about, <clears throat> you know, that a lot of theaters are wrestling with this stuff like diversity, inclusivity, all that stuff, um, trying to figure out how they can be better than theater used to be um, in terms of their social activism. Um, and it's not even activism, it's being a good citizen, I think. But to take it to the other side, these are opportunities for those, them to tell those stories in new ways. And that is for us telling our story, but we can do it in the established modes of theater so that that audience is comfortable seeing something they think they know, but we can give it to them in a new way. But as far as theater companies, I mean, they come and they go, you know, it's, we are gonna spend the next year easily. Cause remember that first year of COVID and it's horrible to even have to think that we're like counting years of this. Yeah. But that first year, everything shut down. Okay. And funders gave people money. It was like, just, you know, just <laughs> stay in place and be safe and we'll see you next year. And now we're coming back out of it. And some of those funders are kind of going, no, wait a minute. It's time for you to one, for you to get back to work. And two, what are you trying to do? How is this worth doing? I mean, that question is being asked now in a way that it hadn't been asked in a long time. And hopefully the smart theater companies will take advantage of that and take advantage of us and bring us into the mix and be able to offer something fresh. Yeah. Yeah. I think you've nailed the hit. Um, you know, you, you, you've nailed it. Put the nail on the head. Put the nail on the head. Yeah. Thank you very much. Because you're absolutely right. Because, you know, if you get funding, the people who fund you, they want to know, okay, what are we paying for? Or, you know, what do yeah. we, what type of theater are we getting? And if it's not what they want, you may lose that funding. I mean, I'm, I don't know if Bendelstiff, I mean, you've been involved, Gola, with Bendelstiff, not only on stage, but also off stage. I mean, you've been, you've been a producer. Have you been a, have you been a part of the managerial staff? Have you been helping out? Um, oh, sh um, uh, uh, um, 
Almario. Um, Oreen and Oliver. Yeah, Oreen Almario. Oreen, yes, thank yeah, you. She's the artistic director, and Oliver Sari is the managing director. Yeah. Um, they work, you know, they they have, a, this is the craziest thing, they, you know, they have a huge job um, doing all, getting the grants and coordinating the community, you know, community element. Um, and then there's the production team, which helps produce um, the, you know, the ongoing, like the Stories High, for example, the comedy workshops that Kevin was doing. Um, they also have this Cuento series, which is like more of a long form for stage. Um, and it's also of, the Fobcast too, right? Yeah, right. The Fob Show, a Love Edition. Um, Granny Card Gangsters. Yeah, Granny Card, of course. They're a theater, they're a comedy troupe that's... Um, uh, resident artists of Bindle Stiff. Um, Forbidden Futures is um, the sci-fi uh, show that I was involved with. But um, there's like these different, you know, entities and different communities that help produce things, but there's a team that helps organize that. I, I like to jump in with my own projects because, um, you know, it's just... Yeah. Yeah, you know, sometimes I'd, I I like to produce and then just introduce a project and hopefully, you know, they can they can co-produce it. And they've always been real helpful, with, like lending their tech and um, like Dave and uh, Dave Ragazza is great with helping out with, with tech and things like that. Lindsay and um, Joe have helped behind the scenes as well. But, you know, like how you guys are producing online, um, we were, you know, a lot of it was so unprecedented. One time we, everything was live like the whole show with like over 40 plus actors. And then the next show, I was like, everything's gonna be recorded. Like, I, <laughs> I'm not doing a live show with 40 plus people. That's crazy. Like honor system jumping on, you know, on cue. Like what's a stage manager to do? Call, text you, you know, so, <laughs> right? Like, and we did yeah. that. Like I had, an, I had my, my, uh, my, one of my best mates. I was like, dude, are, are, are you? <laughs> Are you in the Are you in the Zoom room? Like, where are you? I don't see you in here. Texting her and then being like, "Hi, are you? Um, your set's in three minutes. Like, I can't bang on her door. You know, it's just all honor honor system honor code." Yeah, yeah, no, it's wild, but uh, it's 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 fascinating, you know, that uh, Vincent is doing all of these cool yeah. things, and also you, you know, putting on the hat of the producer, and that leads to, and we're it's four oh eight, so I want to be respectful of people's time, mm -hmm. but where do you see yourself in the future? I mean, do you? When I think of you as a, uh, you know, I really have to, and I'm sure, ben, I'm sure the uh, the COVID nineteen has affected you as a with your band do you still have your band with you I mean are you still I'm assuming um, that you still gig yeah so I have a couple of bands uh the soft stars which is a post-punk band um we were we did our album um we released our album kind of like at the beginning of the pandemic um did a couple of videos uh death glam that was a fun band that was a grindcore band we did a bunch of like tours in the um Fresno area <laughs> you know we did we did some of the the house you know the house shows and you know grindcore is a different kind of scene so um you know we got kind of a kick out of of that with music now I'm mostly producing on, um and just writing on my own so just a lot of guitar songs um and 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 there's different projects that they go into so like there's a different there's this concert narrative that i'm writing called dark heart which is like a sci-fi um you know philippinex futuristic 
Futurism type of um, play that I've uh, released in different excerpts, but it's film, video, music. So I've been doing most music, just guitar songs. Are, do you uh, ever post them online? Like let's say on SoundCloud or Spotify or anything like that? Um, I do some YouTube stuff. Sometimes um, I'll just stream live on Facebook or something or post some things up on there. Kind of like, you know, I kind of keep it private still. I'm of that generation where I'm still pretty private about like Yeah, but I mean, you should, you should put, uh, I, uh, you should, I think you should promote yourself because, you know, oh, you're yeah. a fantastic singer and, oh, um, but also, I mean, I was just thinking, it just popped in my head because, you know, sort of like you, well, actually, you know, you do a way more than I do, but I remember writing for my dad's group and I was like, wow, I have all of these songs. I'm just collecting dust. I'm not doing anything with it at all. And then I connect with a group called Play Cafe or Musical Cafe. And I cobble some of my music and just write a couple of scenes to link them together. And I produce a little mini musical. I'm sure you could do the exact same thing. I mean, have you thought about doing something like that? Awesome. Um, yeah, the, the concert narrative is um, kind of a gesture towards a musical. Um, and I'm trying to do more just kind of uh, looser looser little playlists type of thing like if a, a music library right now right now right now what I'm doing is a five song LP um with songs based on my anime slash manga uh favorites so I have a song um that's based off of Lone Wolf and Cub uh I have a song based off of um Tech and Kinkrete Black and White which is this crazy anime manga um mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the Buddha series by um, Tetsuka and a few others that are kind of like in homage to these um, these other stories that have kept me company. So I'm doing these teeny tiny little projects that are kind of in homage to my um, to all the media that I shove in my face over the. <laughs> well, if you, ever, if you ever have any links, then uh, let us oh, know yeah, because absolutely. we would love to promote uh, what you're doing. Well, uh, Spotify, the Soft Stars is on Spotify, so you, you'll be able to find us there. Soft Stars? Mm-hmm. S-O-F-T-S-T-A-R-S? Yeah. And uh, Death Glam has um, stuff on Bandcamp. You'll be able to find us. Bandcamp. Yeah. yeah, I, you know, there's a... There's a lady that I'm talking to, you know, online dating. That's a whole, totally different, totally different subject matter. But in any case, she uh, she introduced me to Bandcamp uh, just oh. a couple of days ago. So uh, check that out. Okay. What'd you, what'd yeah, you say? Well, I, what'd you say, I, Norman? I said yay. I, I'm. It's funny because I just read because of all the stuff at Spotify right now, which we didn't talk about. Oh but, yes, um, yeah. Yes, uh, because of that, Bandcamp is getting lots of promotion. Oh, yeah, so cool. you know. Yeah, Spotify, they're holding on to Joe Rogan, even at the expense of losing artists like Neil Young and Joni Mitchell and yep. could be some others. So they're going to have to decide, uh, you know, how Girl, valuable is Joe Rogan? Yeah, no, they're, they're, they got problems. Yeah. Yeah, I felt like Bandcamp was uh, more of a format for musicians more than listeners. I feel like Spotify is more of a listener, audience-driven format and Bandcamp was simply like a place for bands to like put their you know publish their publish their stuff as kind of like um to to like um like a press kit type of vibe you know like here's my music on Bandcamp and you know in case you wanted to send it to radio so yeah that's cool it's cool Bandcamp's getting love 
Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Because you know, you throw things online on there, and then you can use the link to send it to. It's oh, almost yeah. like a an audio resume. Um, Absolutely. Death. Yeah. Death. What, what was the last name of that? Uh, glam, as in you know, from glamorous. Glam. Yeah. Death glam. Death glam. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we'll have links to that and we'll because uh, we want to uh, promote you and uh, everything that you're doing. Soft Stars and Get Death Glam. Mm-hmm. Very, very cool. All righty. Um, we it's 414. I mean, I'm, I'm having fun. I'm, I have no rush at all. So, <laughs> uh, Golda, where do you see yourself in the future? What do you want to do in the next, I don't know, 10 years, 20 years? Do you want to, Five I don't know, do you want to, do you got to go to New York or LA or are you happy where you are right now? I mean, I think if there's one thing this pandemic has taught us is that you could be whatever you are or wherever you are. Like, I don't know. Um, I mean, I'm down to follow like projects. I, I, I'm like, I'm 40 years old. And by now I realize the way I work best is just project to project. So if it, it goes from this place to that place, that's cool. But for myself as an artist, I hope that in the future, I will find a way to be satisfied. You know, I will find a way to like create um, a place for all these songs I've been writing. I, I hope to um, write all my songs down with the chord charts and the lyrics um, for my kids, you know, for my son. And I'm actually training them to teach, to, to read my cursive right now. It's very important kids. <laughs> You got to go through mama's little notebooks. You got to know how to read her writing. So yeah, they, they, heirlooms, you know, artistic heirlooms for my, for my, for my children. Like um, it's, it's so beautiful when you hear them singing one of your songs or like when my son learned how to play some of my songs, it's like such a treasure. It's like, that's what I mean by um, these will, you know, if you teach your kids or if you indulge them in expressing themselves in like artistic ways, when they actually have something, like that's going to be such good company for them, you know, their whole lives. Like, yeah, I, I still hold on. I think it's a conversation that you and I had, um, Golda, uh, when we were at Bendelstiff, that mm-hmm. I talked about that I still have recordings of my dad when he recorded in the eighties and the late seventies. You know, even just rehearsals, yeah, you know, stopping rehearsal and telling someone, no, you know, you came on the wrong beat, or you know, this is where, <laughs> you know, those things are just valuable and they have. You know, I will never, ever trade them away. And luckily, I, because his house burned down a couple of years ago, and luckily before that happened, I transferred all of his audio tapes to digital. So I have them on MP3s. And I imagine your kids will do the same, or you'll hold on to, let's say, recordings they did when they were seven years old or something. Mm -hmm. Those things have, you know, they're just incredibly valuable. Yeah, I just, I feel you're absolutely right, like, to have those from your dad. And I just want to be able to, when I say satisfied, I want to say what I've been trying to say all these years. I don't know if, you know, folks have been making something for years. It takes years for those non-creators out there. Sometimes when somebody makes something, they're making it for decades, you know, or they're, they're formulating this thing that they're trying to say or this point they've been trying to make or trying to, you know, this this intangible thing they're trying to articulate like that's sort of what I hope to be able to you know show my kids that it is you know like sing it speak it write it like it's worth it like if that's your life work if that's what you know like mama she did that like I want them to be able to say that like she wrote her songs or she she wrote her play you know she figured out what she wanted to say like I want to have that kind of impact on you know the people in my life 
Yeah. Not only yeah, not only your family and friends, but also just the community. I mean, you know, someone's going to walk into Bindlestiff or to uh, Shotgun or online, and they'll say, "Wow, you know, who created that?" And you know, it'll be Rebel Maria. Yeah, I think uh, I, as 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 I've gotten deeper and deeper into just arts, as far as as music and theater. Even the artwork that I have, you know, of the shows that I've done, some of the best art that I consume are not done by Hollywood or by, you know, the recording industry, you know, some big, you know, multi whatever. It's created by us. You know, the best art is created by, you know, something that we do. And uh, those are the ones that speak near and dear to my heart because I know the stories behind it and how much it took to create it. So that's really, really awesome. All righty. Um, birthdays, shout outs, birthdays. Mm. Norman? Hello? There? Yeah. Oh, good. My my Wi-Fi is messing up too. Good God. Are you ready for uh, birthdays? <laughs> I can I can I, go first. <clears throat> go, I got them. Um, come on. Here we are. Today, it turns out, and I did not know this, so I feel a little bad about it, is my brother's birthday. James, happy birthday. <laughs> uh, we're half brothers, so we, we don't have quite the same connection, but um, it is his birthday. Uh, but in the theater world, PJ Phillips, uh, somebody I got to meet at the Willows Theater, which when I say the Willows Theater and somebody knows what I'm talking about, I'm like, you've been in theater for a long time because they closed like almost 20 years ago, I think. But anyway, PJ um, is an amazing singer and has been working all over the Bay Area. Uh, Robert Henry Johnson is, I don't know what to call him. He's a dancer, performer, choreographer, producer, guru. Yeah, his birthday is coming up today. And then uh, the last one I think I have for today is Pamela Ellen, um, an actress that I got to work with, I believe, at Word for Word. And uh, we haven't been in touch in recent years, but a while ago she was in Oakland. So we were bumping into each other, which was kind of fun. Uh, Rondrell McCormick's birthday is coming up this week. Uh, we had him on the show. Yes, we did. And we did uh, As You Like It together uh, with the San Francisco Shakespeare Festival. Michelle Aprinia Levy, Levy, I think it's got to be Levy, um, is uh, also another Oakland person, uh, theater person, theater artist. Um, and I think Michelle and I, I think our paths cross, but I don't know that we've actually gotten to work together. And then the last one is somebody I went to uh, San Francisco State with, Steve Ortiz, um, and got to work with last year. And hopefully we'll get to work with next month on the uh, James Baldwin Project. I have a very short list this week. I'm very yeah, happy. Yeah, and mine is even shorter. Uh, you took Rondell McCormick. I had him on. Uh, his birthday was will be tomorrow, the yeah. 31st. Um, the only other one that I have is Bridget Dutta Portman. I've talked about her oh, at yeah. Nauseam and we've had her on. Yeah. Wonderful playwright. And she has actually has a book out, uh, which we've been uh, pushing. I don't have the link to that book as of yet, but, um, just a wonderful playwright that I've met during, uh, doing the, um, Playwright Center for San Francisco. She wrote a wonderful one act play called, uh, Mr. The Bear. And, um, Oh. The actor and actress who did it, you had tears in their eyes. It was so beautiful. But uh, she's a fantastic writer. And um, I forget what episode she was on, but, you know, she was really, really influential. And, yeah, I think that's it. I don't think I have anything else. Uh, um, is Dragon Productions, is that done? 
Dragon Eggs? I'm not sure. I uh, let's I'm see. looking right now, and I don't see I don't see dates on this. I just see yeah, you know, announcing Kimberly Ridgeway is producing it and directing, and she's amazing. So yeah the peninsula oh, that's worth checking out yeah so obviously i'm going to push my hate letter to the great american theater shotgun players that'll be february the 17th through the 20th so only three days but i think there's something that's happening just earlier than forwarded that right? something to you that's at act local guys at act putting together a show that's got a weird title okay um, but i just i just forwarded it to you you can email it to me. Don't do it on Zoom. No, I, I emailed it. Oh, okay, great. Uh, I just emailed it. Yeah. Um, but Golden, it's, Golden. Uh, something love for that. Okay. Something love. Something love supreme is the. Um, let me see if I can pull it up this time. Okay. I tried Why, to pull it up. Freestyle. Freestyle love supreme. Freestyle love supreme. Oh. So it's actually a New York group and um, and some local guys coming together and working Tommy. it out. Tommy Lee, Tommy, it, Tom, is Shepherd. Tommy on there? Yeah. Yeah. Tommy Shepard is a, yep. Yeah. There's a gorgeous little video of the four. No, it's more, it's like eight people standing in front of ACT, just beatboxing off the That's top really, of their head. Yeah. It's, it Felonious, was pretty amazing. Uh, Felonious Monk, Tommy and I did something at ACT called um, uh, Holy Crime. It was a Tom Shepard play or no, no, it was a, yeah, it was a, Tommy was in it, ACT, it was years ago, but he's an incredible musician, MC, percussionist. Yeah. Yeah, that's so, so cool. He's, he's he's great people. Wow, small world. Alphabet Alphabet Rockers is his kids group. Yep. And Antique Naked, Antique Naked Soul is the, uh, the uh, acapella yeah, group. Right, yes, with the ladies. No, Tommy, I'm a big fan of Tommy. Tommy and I got to do... Uh, a show, a series of readings with word for word, probably about four years ago now, three and a half years, four years ago. And we hadn't seen each other in forever. It was like, oh, I was so happy to see him. He's, he is great people. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Um, is there something now, no, my hate letter to the Great American Theater, is there something happening earlier than February the 17th, Golda, or is, does it begin February yeah, the 17th? Um, I'm, I'm reading for Jeannie Baroga. This oh, when? What are you reading um, for Jeannie? She's doing great things. She She's just there, read. Do you see her email? She, I think she wants to come on the show next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and she's promoting her book. Uh, the right. water, the um, turn left at the water buffalo. That's right. That's right. Water buffalo. Yeah. Jeannie and I have been working together on her other book um, on Bay Area theater. Oh, the Bay Area. Yes. Yeah. Um, Not Bay Area, uh, California, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, Jeannie is incredible. She's 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 constantly working and she is um she's she's constantly working and she's constantly reinventing her work yep. in, in in a in a current context it's just yep. really inspiring like yeah. I don't, yeah like it's it's so cool um to see her reshape and and re you know become current again really no no she's she is one of my oldest friends in bay area theater oh that's so sweet yeah i love Jeannie. um so i'm doing something for her and then I'm doing a reading for Bindlestiff, uh, Oliver Saria's long, um, full length called uh, Mama Inai uh, Dalisai's Lechon. Mm -hmm. It's this full length about uh, a Filipino family yeah. um, that's centered around Lechon, the, the, the roast pig, just like it sounds. Uh -huh. So that's going to happen on February 13th, I think. Nice. Just, um, 
and then that's it. I have, I think that's it. I have um, just some recordings and stuff. I've been doing some recordings with um, just different musicians as well, but, but okay. the, yeah, 17. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you have uh, links to that, you can uh, send that to us. Um, sure. And we'll have a link to the uh, My Hate Letter to the Great American Theater. That's not going to happen until uh, February the 17th, but we'll have the link there for you. Also, the Hollow City Lights Theater and Yumi Kabori will be acting in that. That began January the 20th. It ends February the 20th, and we'll have a link to that. Also, there are a couple of um, podcasts that I want to push Barry Graves, our good friend, has a podcast, The Black Man's Heart, so check that out, Spotify and all of your podcast apps. Mallory Samara, she, her day job is working for KCBS Radio as a producer, and she has a, um, a show called Connect the Dots, a weekly news podcast, so check that out. Also, we've talked about Bendelson Studio, the podcast, I'm sorry, the Fobcast, exploring Filipino-American immigrant stories, so check that out. And that's it. Golda, yeah. did, you have a, did you have a good time? I did. I had a great time. Um, I want to. Rem- uh, I also want to re- uh, say that Shotgun is doing in person, but there is one day that they are live streaming, which is February nineteenth. Nice. Yeah. So eighteenth, nineteenth is in person, but on the nineteenth they're live streaming it as well, and the twentieth is a matinee show. Yeah, I had a great time. Um, it's so rare that we get to talk about art and, you know, just pivoting and challenging like. Um, even in the like my art is a little underground you you, you fellas do a lot more um you, you, <laughs> I feel like yeah you're you know the, the 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 theater that you you both hit is um pretty established so it's it's nice to to talk to people who are um dealing with these types of issues in the arts right now so thanks for having me yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, as far as I, I honestly think that theater, I mean, if the job you've done with theater is to reach to people, then, you know, what you're doing is is very, and, you know, and shotgun reaching out to you. I mean, whether you call it countercultural or underground theater, I mean, it's, it needs to be accessible. And uh, if theater isn't accessible, if you have to, you know, put on your three-piece suit to go to a theater, then there's something, there's something wrong. There's something lost in that. So, Although, you know, there's some folks who went to school for theater or let's say we, we, we were talking last week about the tragedy of Macbeth. I actually saw that in the theater. I, I wanted to see what you did. You see that, Norman? Denzel Washington no, movie? And we talked about going. We haven't gone yet. I, I've talked to a number of people who've seen it, um, mostly pretty positive. And then I read these reviews that were just sort of like because they're doing it with a bunch of british heavyweight classical actors yes <laughs> so and that's that can, a challenge that can push people away i mean i'm proud that zinza washington did it because you know it's a good thing to put on your belt but to get back to what you you were talking about golda i think that uh theater needs to be accessible you know like I, we had Aureen sure. and she talked about uh going to see um hamilton and it was the first time right. that she saw people on stage that looked like her you know like in a high class theater setting like uh, I forget where she went to to see Hamilton and they were doing you know like rap hip-hop you know uh, a type of theater that that's successful to 
to people on the ground. And I think that that's still very, very important. So yeah. no, we're, no, we're happy to have you on. And that's, you know, you were one of those folks who I was like, you know, please come on. I think I've asked you a couple of times and finally it's, it's wonderful yes. to have you. I realized on. that now that I looked at our thread, I was like, oh snap, I, Red has like been so kind all this time. So um, thank you so much for asking me again. And I, um, I honestly think that like theater being accessible, like there's two ways there's like people going in the door and people coming out the door. And I feel like people, it should be accessible as far as people being able to come to see it, but it should also be accessible in our stories going out the door as well, right? Like, um, I love being able to see different uh, versions of Shakespeare. I, I studied Shakespeare. I wanna write, um, I wanna write, I wanna be the new Shakespeare. Like I, I, I think being understood is, I love accessibility, but being immediately understood is overrated. I love a little bit of crypticness and mystery. Um, but that being said, like, it should be definitely a place to be expressive. There's a line in the play of uh, My Hate Letter where, I'm not going to spoil anything by saying this, though, but it's just like, it is a, theater is a place where we get to tell the truth. It is a completely accessible place where we can tell the truth, and not many places are like that, so whether it's understood immediately having to be studied or, you know, um, just a safe place where people can connect all, you know, after all these years, like Bindle Stiff, like theater has definitely been home for folks who, who have um, been able to express themselves, you know, creatively. I, I, and I'm grateful for that. Yeah. Yeah. Very yeah. much so. And yeah, you're yeah. so, you're so right about theater speaking the truth even if folks don't want to hear the truth i mean you know sometimes you walk into a theater and you have no idea what's going to be expressed but if it challenges you if it makes you think of things differently and think of people differently oh wow there's an asian woman on stage but she's not speaking the way i usually think asian people speak all of a sudden your perspective changes and that's a good thing i i remember if i may um watching you reg perform for the first time and i was very impressed with how um you seem to be very like you were acting like in a way that was um it was just it was I want to say professional but really the word is sincere like and not earnest like new or rookie-ish it was like just you was acting your ass off and I was like oh god okay this is how you do it kids <laughs> uh, <laughs> thank you thank you I, I don't even know what piece that was yeah um it was with the bass it was a oh yeah 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 that was um patrick silvestri wrote that that was um i, I know what it was and uh boy i still feel bad about the bass but oh, oh, oh. it is what it is well, troubled waters a bridge under we're, troubled we're waters. yeah exactly well. but um yeah i i always appreciate your your incredible skill so thank you thank you so much all righty well this is it wraps it up and i want to get everybody out of here because it's a beautiful um sunday uh, this We usually do this on Saturdays, but we're doing it for Sunday. Uh, for those of you who are watching this on YouTube, uh, please like and subscribe. As the kids say, click on the bell for updates on when we have new episodes. Tell us what you like, tell us what you don't like, and we will uh, react in kind. Also, let me, uh, because I, sometimes I forget, we have jerseys. We have white jerseys, <laughs> we have pinstripe jerseys, we have black yes, we jerseys. Do. Huh? Yes, we Excuse me. Yes, we do. Yes. So pick up a jersey. Um, Lorna, you know, she, Lorna Garcia, she uh, has a jersey. I talked to Conrad Panganaban. He 
bought a jersey. So, you know, a lot of folks have bought jerseys. So it's $30 and um, just, you know, PM me, private message me, and I will get that to you. Uh, if you're listening to this on the traditional podcast app, you can find us on Spotify. We're on the Purple Podcast app if you're listening to it on an Apple or an iPhone, an Apple product. If you're an Android user, you can use the SoundCloud app and or just go on soundcloud.com and you'll find us. The Yay was created by theater people for theater people. If you have a show you want to advertise or if you just want to advertise yourself, let us know. Hit us up. We're at the Yay 3 on Twitter. That's our official Twitter feed. I'm at Red Space Clay. And I'm at Who's Your Hoosier. Um, uh, Golda, do you have a um, uh, any uh, like Instagram um, or? Yeah, I'm uh, Rebel Maria uh, on Instagram. Yeah. All right. So if anyone wants to find a fantastic actress or if you want to book her for a uh, singing uh, opportunity for her band, uh, you can't go wrong with um, with uh, Golda or Rebel Maria. That is it. Thank you so much, everybody. And as Norman and I always say, we got to find, find a, a better, better side of. <laughs> All righty. And we are out. Yeah.